I'm excited to share this morning with you. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bibles with you, or you can go on your phone there, and also we will have um, scriptures up on the screen if you need that as well. But I'm excited to share with you this morning. I believe God has a purpose for you being here. Why don't you say that with me? My steps are ordered of the Lord. God help me to hear and receive by faith the word you have for me today in Jesus' name. You know, your faith makes a difference in what comes out of me. Did you know that? Sean and I have heard for years preachers say, and we've experienced this ourselves as well, that if you all are expecting to get something from God, it makes my preaching easier. If you're, if you're all sitting there saying, what are, what are you going to give me, preacher? You know, in that kind of mindset, it makes it harder for the preacher to preach. And so I want you all to know that your faith combined with mine sparks the fire and it does great things. And you will receive what you need from the Lord as you're in faith about that today. So I have a question for you. Have any of you ever seen a sign up when you walk in the store that says everything must go? Anyone ever seen that sign when you're walking in? How many of you like that if it's at your favorite store, as long as the store isn't closing, right? Hopefully it's an end of season sale, ideally. And so I love to see that sign because it means things are a good deal. They want things off their shelf because they are make, they're getting rid of the old and making room for the new, right? And you know, that is important to do. Like right now in January, wouldn't it be bad if a store left out all their Christmas items and Christmas trees? They aren't going to make much in sales unless it's end of season sale. You know, everything must go and it's a deep discount because most people aren't going to buy that and pay full price at it in January, are they? And in the same way, we all go through seasons in our life. God has seasons for us all throughout life. Some are big seasons, some are smaller seasons. And at those times of season changes, God has things that we actually need to um, set aside and get off the shelf to make room for the new things that God wants to bring into our life. And so in seasons, have you ever noticed, especially here in the north in Minnesota, that seasons don't just change overnight, do they? It might be a date on the calendar that it changes, but in the weather, we see a gradual shifting into a new season, don't we? And that shifting season is often a sifting season, especially in our lives. During that time where we sense the old season is closing and the new season is opening up, God starts sifting some things out of our life. Sometimes he sifts people out of our life. Sometimes he sifts behaviors out of our life. Sometimes he sifts habits out of our life. Sometimes he moves us in different ways, and he does that because he's trying to get rid of the old so that he can bring in the new, so that he can bless us with the new. So those shifting seasons are often sifting seasons. In those stores, they all know that if they are going to prosper in their current season, they have to purge the things from the past. Would you agree? And so if we want that in our life in the same way, we need to allow God to purge things from the past that he doesn't want so that he can bring in a prosperous present. And that's what he wants to do in each one of our lives. Those stores all know that if we want to grow, the stuff has got to go. Say, say with me, it's got to go. Look at your neighbor and say, it's got to go. God has things that need to go from your life to bring in the blessing that he has for you. And we're going to look today at Abraham's life. Because Abraham, and before God changed his name to Abraham, it was Abraham. 
And in Abraham's life, there are, there are great successes shown in his life. He was one of the people in the Bible that God used the most. And God left stories in the Bible for us because God knows that success leaves clues. And if God puts those stories in the Bible, we can look at those clues from their life of how and why they became so successful. Because if we apply the same things to our life that they apply to theirs, then we'll get the same kind of results, won't we? And so God put those success stories there so we can find the clues from their life and so that we can get some success. So I'm going to talk about one of those clues today that were left in Abraham's life. So one of the things about Abraham that we notice as we read about him, and I'd encourage you this week, this week to read Genesis chapter 12 and 13 and, and study more about Abraham's life. But one of the things about Abraham's life that we notice is that Abraham was someone who wanted God to bless his family, and he also wanted to be a blessing to future generations. In fact, it even says in the New Testament that through Christ Jesus, we receive the blessing of Abraham. And if you study out Abraham's life, you will see there was massive blessing on his life, wasn't there? Like great things happening to him. Now, Abraham was not a perfect person. Let me just point that out. He, he really screwed up in some big ways. And yet God's mercy came in and, and met him there and helped him. And he kept a right heart with God trying to do the right thing. But you know, how many of you can agree? Um, I'm not perfect and, and neither was Abraham. So if God can work with Abraham, he can work with me too, right? And so God saw in Abraham's heart that he wanted to be a blessing to his family. He wanted to be a blessing to future generations. And God saw this about Abraham, and this was very important. God saw that Abraham was the kind of person that said, Lord, I want to deal with this in my life so that they don't have to beat this in future generations. Can you say amen to that? That you want to be that person, that you let God deal with you over those things that maybe have been coming down the pipeline for generation after generation, sins of generations, bad habits of generations. And you just say, the buck stops here, Lord, with me. I, Lord, I am determined that I am the generation that's going to stop this bad history. And we're going to go into a new history with Jesus as our Lord and Savior, living in the power and the victory that Christ has paid for us to have. And you know, that's done like Pastor Sean talked about last week. That's done on our knees in our time with the Lord. And so it's so important that we have that mindset because I, I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that, that I look and I think, I, God, I want to deal with this now so that my children 10, 20, and 30 years from now are not dealing with this behavior because they learned it from me. Would you agree? And so Abraham was that kind of person. And when we look at his life, we see why God was able to use him so so powerfully in his life. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, as we go into this, Genesis 12, 1 was a pivotal point in Abraham's life. In fact, in fact I believe Genesis 12, 1 was such a pivotal point that if he had made the wrong decision in Genesis 12, 1, I don't believe we'd even see Abraham in the rest of the Bible. That's how important this decision was that he made in, in chapter 1. And it says here, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country. Say that with me. Get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth, you, and, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Now you read those last, uh, the two verses two and three, that God's saying, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing to others. And I don't know about you, but I want God to say that when he sees me. I want God to want to bless me and to make me a blessing to others. But you know what I have to realize and what we all have to realize is if we want verses two and three to manifest in our life, we have to agree to do verse one. They're tied together. We can't have verses two and three if we won't do verse one. And verse one means whatever God is telling you specifically. There are things in your life that God needs to purge. Even if you've been walking with the Lord a long time, he still has higher places for you to go. And every time that God has a new place for you to go up, there's something for you to give up. And that isn't always fun to hear, but yet it's important for us to do that and to understand that in order to go up, we have to give up. At each stage, there are things we give up. So vitally important. And so God sees that in Abraham, that he was somebody who was willing. And he said, you know what? These things have got to go. Abraham understood and he obeyed God. And so he left the land of his father where his father was at. And you know, Abraham's father uh, wasn't a good person for him to be hanging around. His father was an idol worshiper. His father sold idols and wasn't pursuing the things of God. And God needed to separate Abraham from that so that he could become all that God had called him to be. Because God knew with the influence uh, and the negativity of his father that Abraham couldn't receive the blessings that God had for him. And so I believe as we go into 2019, I am confident that God has new things for every one of our lives that he wants to take you into. He has He has new faces that he wants to bring into your life that are assignments from God for you. He has new places that he wants to bring you that are assigned places from him. He has new graces that he wants to bring upon your life. So that you can do what he's called you to do. And so let's, let's think about that. New faces. God wants to bring new faces into our life this year. For all of us, it will be different, different people, different things for different reasons. For some of you, you may change your employment and you may have new faces at your place of employment. And God expects you and desires for you to be prayerful and saying, Lord, who in this new, pl- uh, who in this new place uh, is this, am I assigned to and they're assigned to me? Because God has specific people assigned to your life to help you get the victory. I remember when uh, we we were about to move from Texas back to Minnesota, and the Lord gave me a dream. And it was actually my, my mother who's sitting on the front row speaking to me. And in the dream, my mother said to me, Amy, there are, are people that the devil assigns to p- people to try to get them off course from God's plan. And there are also people that God assigns to people's life to get them on course with God's plan. And you and Sean are assigned to people here in Minnesota to get them on course for God's plan. When are you going to get in your place? That was, that was the dream. And so it's like a prompting from Lord, get up here, start helping people that you're called to help. And you know, there are people assigned to your life and you assigned to them from the Lord. Now you have to be sensitive to that, Lord, which ones are assigned to my life and who am I assigned to? And and you need to be looking for those people, uh, praying that God will help you to see them through the eyes of the Spirit and know who they are and that those divine connections will be made because divine connections can be a super powerful thing that will catapult you into your life destiny in miraculous, miraculous ways. I remember one time um, Sean was working at 
a ministry in Texas, and we have very little money. I told this story once a couple of years ago, I think, but we have very little money. We never went out to eat and because that wasn't in the budget. And this one day, Sean said to me, Amy, I feel like we're supposed to go out to eat tonight. And I said, that's not in the budget. And he said, I know, but we're just supposed to trust God on this one. And I, I learned that Sean wa- heard the Lord, and so I agreed to it. And I said, we've agreed we wouldn't use a line of credit. And he said, I know, but he said, I just really believe this is from the Lord. So I said, okay, where are we going? And he said we were, he said he had it in his heart to go to this little um, place that was uh, a restaurant at a golf course that was nearby where his work was. So I said, okay, so we pulled in there and we pulled up to the restaurant. Right before we got to the restaurant, I said, you know that um, person that uh, she's the head over the TV department at the ministry you work at and her husband? Um, and I said, what are their names? And he told me, and I said, that's who we're going here to meet. This is an assignment from God. And we walked in the restaurant and they were the only couple sitting in the restaurant. Now that's the power of God. And they have become lifelong friends and just been a huge, huge part of our life and our season while we were in Texas. And even still today, uh, just wonderful blessings of people in our life. And so God has people he wants to bring into your life for a certain reason. And he has places. Um, Before I say that, I just want to say he has not only new faces to bring around you, but I believe God wants a new face in your life. And there are ways that we um, can change over this year that at the end of this year, our face will not be the same as it was right now. And I'm talking about the inside face, not the outside face. God wants us to get on, on a plan and a journey of growth in our life. He doesn't want us just watching television and movies all the time. Nothing against that, you know, if you do that occasionally. But our life should be growth-centered when we're Christians. Our life should have a purpose that we are moving forward with God, forward with God in the things of spirit and things of leadership. God wants us to intentionally build the root system in our life strong so that we will be like Psalm 92.12 that says that our life, that we flourish like a palm tree. You know, in Romans uh, 12, 2, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, the will he has for you. And you know, God wants new places in your life. Some of you may have new jobs. Some of you may have new positions within your place of current employment. Some of you may have new addresses. Um, some of you may be going to just something totally different, a new um, calling or career, and, and be sensitive to those new places. God also has new graces for all of us this year, I believe. And God's grace can be defined as as several different things from the Bible. His grace can be his favor. His grace can be his strength. His grace can be his super added to our natural. Have you ever had something that it seems like you're just plowing and plowing in? And you're plowing and it just seems like things aren't getting done that fast and that easy. And then all of a sudden God comes and he just adds his super to your natural and his grace pushes you from behind and helps you make progress like you had not been making before. That is God's added grace. And I believe God wants to add that grace to each one of your lives this year. The things, maybe addictions you've been trying to let go of, maybe 
weights you've been trying to let go of, um, maybe just trying to do something in your life. Uh, for me, it's exercise, in all honesty. It's like, Lord, I know I need to exercise. Lord, I need more grace to start exercising more consistently. You know, we all have different things in our life that we need God's grace and push for, that we've been trying to do it in our own strength. But the, the real empowerment comes when God pushes us into making progress in his strength and empowers us through his strength. So God has new graces that he wants to give each one of us. And you know, it's interesting. There are things we can do to add grace to our life. Did you know that? In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we can grow in his grace. And you know, Sean and I experienced that in the last six months. In November of 2018, it seemed like there was an added grace to us that I had been wanting to have for years. Like, I have been trying to find time to read more books and listen to more teachings. And I've been doing some, but not anywhere near to the degree that I wanted to. And Sean was doing a lot of that already, but he wanted to go to a higher level in that so we have been praying, Lord, help us to find more time to do these things and, and grow more like we know you're calling us to grow. And in uh, November, it seemed like all of a sudden we had a supernatural push. They, they came and just started pushing us from behind and our schedule didn't change. But all of a sudden we had more time to read the books uh, that we've been wanting to read and listen to the teachings we've been wanting to listen to. And, you know, I, I thought about it and I thought, what changed? Why did this push all of a sudden come that it got easier? And I thought about it. And, you know, in October, Sean and I were f- uh, faced with the decision. There were, there were two conferences that we had been invited to that were back-to-back in the same week in Texas. And it wasn't easy. Uh, our schedule was full, and we didn't really want to go. And we, I mean, we wanted to go, but we didn't see how we could fit it in our schedule. And so right up to the last minute, we debated on if we were going to go. And we did decide to follow through and go. And that, those two conferences in that one week, one was a, a church uh, business conference, and the other one was a, a three-day ministry conference of our pastors, Dr. Seville. And when we went to those two conferences, it was awesome, awesome growth. And then we got back, and one week later, Terry Foy was here and did a women's conference and spoke on Sunday, and, and that was at a growth. So it was like we got three conferences in a two-week period, and Sean and I made an effort for those things. And I believe as God sees you make an effort, God adds a- extra grace because he sees you pursuing him. So if you want extra grace in your life, just pursue it even when it's difficult. And as God sees you pursuing it, when the student is ready, the teacher shows up, right? And we've been experiencing that more and more and more. And it's just been a blessing to see that kind of thing happen. So remember that you can pursue grace. And I would even encourage you, if you have vacation time this year, think about taking a growth vacation because you can go fun places that have ministry conferences at them. Uh, last year, I, we had a couple of families in the church do that where they went to Texas to a ministry conference and then had vacation time while they were there. There are great conferences in Florida in, in many different months of the year. There are great conferences in Colorado if you like ski trips. You know, But there are places where you you can go to a conference and do a vacation at the same time. And if that's not in your budget um, or in your, if you don't have enough time off to do that, then thinking about doing something where you just set aside one day each month where you pursue for like two to four hours growth that Saturday morning that you have scheduled each month to do massive growth uh, at that time. Because as you pursue growth, that also adds grace to your life. You know, I want to go back to people for just a moment. Some of you have people in your life 
And they they're, may not even be bad people, but they were people for the last season, and they're not for the new season. And that isn't always easy. I think the people one is the toughest one because we get very heart-connected to people. And sometimes God is saying, okay, you have to let go of this relationship if you want to move forward with me. And for me, this has been one of the toughest ones to move away from people or to kind of separate myself from people. And I've found that God often will move people out of our life when we're getting married. Not all, I'm just saying some people. When we're getting married, when we're having children, um, when he's just directing us into our calling and, and being specific with us about you have to let this go to get this. Um, I find with marriage it is because uh, when people get married, typically they still have some friends who have the bachelor mindset. In fact, I think Sean talked about this not long ago. And those kind of friends with the bachelor or bachelorette mindset are not going to help you prosper in your marriage. And so it's time to start separating from those friends when you get married, if you want a successful marriage. And also when you have children, because children, can anyone agree, children require more time? Has anyone experienced that? It's like, whoa, I don't have all this time for myself like I used to have. I don't have the time to go out with friends like I used to have. And it's not like you're totally dissing those friends or anything, but you kind of just have to stop spending as much time with some of them or some completely cut off if they aren't pro for you parenting because some of them don't care how your kid turns out. In all reality, some of your friends just don't really give a hoot whether you have great kids or not. And so you have to care and you have to get rid of friends that aren't for you having kids and raising them to be champions for Jesus. And so there are, there are friendships, there are people that we have to let go at times. And, and even though that's one of the hardest ones, it's one of the, the best things that we can do because it helps us move forward with what God has for us. You know, Abraham experienced that. After he had obeyed God and he separated from his father and he started heading towards the new land, the land of Canaan, it gets to another place. And one thing we know about the story of Abraham is that his nephew Lot had followed him. Hey, come with him. Now, Abraham had taken Lot in because Lot's father had passed on prematurely. And so Abraham was, was, had been a parent to him, you know, for a number of years. And Lot followed. And Abraham taught Lot things about, you know, how to be excellent with livestock and how to grow in all this. Now, it got to the place where Lot was a grown man. And he was prospering in his own livestock and in his own um, herds and all that kind of thing. And in that... Um, it grew, lots grew so large and Abraham's herds grew so large that there wasn't room for both of them to keep living together in this close space. And we know that uh, it, it tells us in the Bible that there started being strife among, among their employees, their lots herdsmen and, and Abraham's herdsmen, they were having strife. And, you know, I can tell you from experience that when there is strife in families, it's typically for one reason. I mean, it can be because of addictions, but typically people have strife in families because they aren't growing together. If you have strife in your family, in your marriage, or with your kids, purpose to do things to grow spiritually together, or to grow in leadership skills together. Because if you start listening to the same teachings, um, if you start reading some of the same books that are growth books, not just, I always tell my kids, brain candy books. Not brain candy books and brain candy movies, but I'm talking about things that are serious growth 
If you start doing that with your children or you start uh, watching or reading those things with your spouse, it will bring you to a place of unity. And when that unity comes, it pushes the strife out. And so being Abraham and Lot were having strife, you know that they had stopped growing in some way. And and things could have even been getting worse for Abraham because he was recognizing that he had to do this separating from Lot. God obviously had been working on his heart a while for it. I'm guessing Abraham's livestock and and all that had kind of plateaued. Maybe it was even getting worse since the strife was there because strife does bring in bad things. And so Genesis 13, we look at that in verse 8, and it says, So Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife. Look at your neighbor and say, no strife. strife. uh, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. We're family. We shouldn't be fighting like this, he's saying. Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Abraham was giving him a great option here. You can have the best land. You pick it. And you know what? Lot did. Do you remember that? It says he took the best of the land that was like the Garden of Eden. And then it goes down in in Genesis 13, verse 14. It says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Now if you have your Bible, I would highlight or underline this next part. And the Lord said to Abraham, After Lot had separated from him. So we need to notice that both uh, in Genesis 12, 1, what we were talking about, and now in Genesis 13, 14, it's after we make the separation from whatever God is telling us to purge and to prune in our life, it's after we make that separation that then the blessing of God can flow. And a lot of times we want to see the blessing before we'll purge, and God just doesn't work that way. You know, he'll, he'll work on our faith and helping us through that time, but we have to step up by faith and be willing to purge what we know in our knower we aren't supposed to be doing anymore, what we know in, we know in our knower that we aren't supposed to be surrounding ourselves with anymore. And it goes on to say, God, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now, Abraham, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I give to you. So it's like God is giving it to him this day, and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, and that so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. God is telling Abraham because he obeyed in doing the separation. You know, the promise came after he obeyed. He had to give up in order to go up. What things in your life do you need to let go of so that God can really bless you and allow you to be a blessing to others? Because we all have things, no matter how far we go with God, He wants to take us higher, and there are always going to be things to let go of at different stages in life that God starts dealing with with our heart about. We need to be willing to trade comfort for a life of significance at times, and that isn't always easy in the moment, and I understand that. And the reason, one of the reasons God takes certain people or certain places out of our life is that he doesn't want our past to define our future. There may be um, memories from certain places or certain things, or sometimes God even tells you to get rid of certain material items because they have memories and they aren't connectors that God wants you to have in your life anymore, and it's time to purge those things. But the one thing I've learned from having different seasons in my life is the quicker that I'm willing to embrace the change, the, the more I gain. 
the more I, I, I yield myself to his joy. One thing I've learned to do, because it hasn't always been fun in the, in the season changes that God has brought us, even though I knew there was a brighter future, I've learned to say, Lord, I'm not enjoying this at the moment, but I'm willing to be made willing. I'm willing to have you change my heart to want this. I'm willing to receive the new things you have for me and let go of the past by faith. I'm not feeling it right now, God, but I'm willing to by faith. And when we step into those things by faith, we step into greater graces by faith. You know, I remember John Maxwell, one of my favorite authors, telling once that he and his wife Margaret were at a, a sports game with a, a well-known famous coach and they were, uh, that was coaching at that game, and they were sitting with the coach's wife. And uh, John said he looked at the coach's wife and he said to her, of all the cities you've lived in, where has been your favorite? And she said, my favorite city to live in is the, the one that I, is always, uh, the, my favorite city to live in is the one I live in currently. And he said, oh, so it's Atlanta. And she said, no, that's not what I meant. My favorite city to live in is the one that I am in currently, always. She said, it's a choice I make. I, I've known from the beginning of my husband and I getting married that we were going to have to move often for his career. So I've always made the choice that whatever I, city I move to, I decide before I get there that that is going to be my favorite place to live. And you know what? It always turns out to be because that's what I've decided. Now that, my friends, is an amazingly good attitude to actually make the choice before we get to a, a place of uh, just like change and not knowing what's ahead of us that we choose before we get there, this is going to turn out to be my favorite place. If we take that kind of faith mindset with God, just think what can happen in our futures. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Hebrews 12 talks about letting things go to run our race more effectively. And I want to go there with you. Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance a race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now notice it says, set aside the weight and the sin. Now sin, we all know, you know, we can read in the Bible and see what different sins are. And we know sins are anything that displeases God and anything that, uh, that separate us from God. And so we choose that we don't want sins in our life because we know that will drag us down. But also, it's, it actually says a separate thing. Sin is separate from weight. So you may say, well, if that's sin, what is weight? And I'll give you an analogy. Weight... We have a friend who's a pastor in another state, and he said that he had some extra weight that he wanted to lose. And so he said he decided to join one of those boot camp places, those exercise boot camp places. Has anyone in here ever done one of those? And he said that he was amazed at how just torturous and miserable that was to do. And, and don't laugh. He might ask some of all of you to do it this year or me. Who knows? But anyway, he, he said that it was just miserable. And he said he went in and he just, he didn't want to go back the next day. He said it was just so miserable, but he forced himself to do it. And so he said that he's going in and doing this each day and each day. And he said that at the end of the 30 days, he actually had lost over 30 pounds. Now, that's a lot of weight to lose. And so he said that at the last week, after 30 days, he went in to do his workout that morning. And guess what they did? They 
put a coat on him that was weighted down with the exact amount of weight he had lost from day one. And he had to do his workout with that coat on wearing it. And he said he was absolutely amazed that that was what he had weighed 30 days ago because now that he had lost all the weight and now that he had it dropped on him suddenly, he noticed it. Where before, he didn't really notice how it felt because it had become comfortable to him. It had become normal to him. But now that he had this just dropped on him, it was just like, he said it, 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 it hindered his mobility. He said it made him feel tired and exhausted. And, and just, he said it was such a hindrance, he could hardly wait to get it off because it made him weary. And he said he didn't realize that that had actually been attached to his body before, how much it was weighing him down, how much it made him weary. And, and so I want you to think about that because that's what weights are like in our life. And I'm not referring to just physical weight. I'm talking about we have things that are habits. We have things that are just behaviors we do that have become normal to us that maybe we've seen our parents do all of our life. And, and so to us, that's just normal. And it's, it's actually a weight on you that takes away your strength and your energy and your mobility to do things for God and to do the call that he's called you into. And so I want to ask you today, what are the weights on your life? Pray about that this week. You know, Pastor Sean has talked about... Um, and I have both talked about fasting. Uh, two weeks ago, we started talking about that, that as a church, we're doing a 21-day fast. And uh, it may be a, an all-out fast that you're fasting and just having liquids. It may be a Daniel fast where you're having fruits and vegetables and liquids. It may be where you're fasting a certain thing like sugar or breads or, or certain things like that. Or maybe a soul fast where you're fasting... Um, you know, the internet, or you're fasting social media, you're fasting gaming, different things like that. But as you're doing your fast with one week left of that, or if you're just now hearing about it today, start your 21 days today. But as you do that fast, be seeking the Lord of God, what are the weights that I need to let go of? And what are the graces and places and faces, the new things that you want to bring into my life? Help me to be sensitive to them. Help me to grow the way you want me to grow. There is such a big deal with separating ourselves, of letting it go, letting those things go that God doesn't want in our life. It's a year of, of letting things go so that we can enter into the season and the high calling that he has for each one of us. I want you to ask yourself this question. Outside of your immediate family, what in your life is not adding energy, adding profit, or adding growth to you? You know, and don't say my spouse or my kids aren't adding any of those things to me because you know what? If things are rough in your immediate family, that's an opportunity for growth. And I didn't say growth was going to be fun because growth can be something that's very difficult, but it's still good for you. And so what is not adding energy, profit, or adding growth, whether good growth or things that are tough to walk through, what is not adding those, any of those three things? And you may need to pray about, are those some things I need to prune from my life, Lord? You know, several months ago, um, we and our staff, we were watching Dave Ramsey, and he had a, an all-day leadership training event that we watched here on the big screen a live streaming. And in that leadership event, he had a New York Times bestselling author named Stephen Mansfield, who was uh, one of the books he's written is 10 Signs of a Leadership Crash. 
And one of the things Mr. Mansfield said is that in, in preparing and studying for that book, one of the things they found when they interviewed all these leaders that had, had moral failures and crashed in one way or another, there was one common factor with all of them uh, of something that had happened in their life. And it was that they all said that they, there, there was a season, a time they went through where they felt like their calling was changing. They felt like their place in the workplace was changing and they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to make the changes necessary for their career, and they just let things stay the way they were. They didn't want to let the people go that God was telling them to let go. They didn't want to make the changes to themselves to, to enter into that. They didn't want to do whatever it was, and they said they knew in their hearts there was a change in their calling, and they all said they ignored it, and they said they ignored it for a long time, and the more they ignored it, the more turmoil they got on the inside, and the more turmoil they got on the inside, it pushed them a little further and a little further until they had their moral failure. And many of them said they had had that for years. Now, if we have turmoil in our life of something God is pushing us to do, don't wait for years. Get a mentor, get help, read books about it, whatever you need to do to get yourself to do what God is asking you to do of getting rid of those old behaviors, getting rid of those addictions, getting rid of those things. Because you know what I found is if we don't confront the issues in our life, they will eventually confront us. Do you know what I'm talking about? If we don't deal with things right now, this year, they may confront us this year from the problems that they will cause in our life, or they may confront us in the years to come, but my friend, they will confront you if you don't confront them. And it won't be pretty if they have to confront you. I would much rather have a preemptive strike on the territory of the enemy than have him strike on my territory. Would you agree? And so we have to make the choice that we're going to purge when God tells us to purge. We're going to prune when God tells us to prune. I'm not talking about just like refusing to talk to people and that kind of thing. You know, there are graceful ways. I remember even in eighth grade, um, just feeling in, in my heart like the friends that I had had all through elementary school, I saw that they were all choosing the drinking and the partying and those kind of things. And I was just like, you know, that's not the life I want for myself. And so I made a choice that I was going to let go of most of those friends. There, uh, there were one or two that I hung on to that I would not party with them. I would just go shopping or go to a movie or something with them. But most of them I let go of, and I started pursuing friendships in my life. It wasn't like I just said, hey, I won't talk to you. I'd talk to them at school and be friendly. But when they'd ask me to do most things, uh, I would say, ah, uh, you know, and I'd find something else to be busy with. And then I started pursuing the kind of people that I wanted to be around because I know you become like who you hang around. And I wanted to confront that so that I wasn't confronted with being pushed by a bunch of people to get into sin. And so we have to confront those things before they confront us. So I ask you, my friends, today, what is it that God's asking you to prune from your life so that he can take you to a higher place? Because God doesn't take things from us to be mean. He takes them from us to help us. He asks us to let them go to help us so that we can go higher with him. I'm believing that this week and this month and this year that you are going to yield to what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. 
that you're going to yield to those things that God is showing you, that you're going to pursue growth like never before. You know, some of those friendships may actually want to change with you, and some of those friends you might just quit doing entertainment things with and say, hey, let's grow in this together. Let's, you know, start studying these books together, and you change what you do with those friends, and if they're willing to change with you, great. Then grow with them, but don't participate in things that you know God's not calling you to do, that he's pulling you out of that life, and he's taking you to something else because he's got better for each one of you. What do you need to let go that's past season so that you can enter into God's new season for you? Let's all close our eyes and pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together this morning. We rejoice in you. We thank you for the good plans that you have for each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for the sound of everyone at my voice, God, I pray and intercede that your hand will be with them and that you would make it clear to them what they are to be sifting out of their life, what they're to be pruning out of their life. And God, I pray that they would be willing to become willing, that even if it seems like a, a, a season that they really didn't even want in their future, Lord, that they would see the joy set before them in this new season, that somehow by faith, like that coach's wife, that they would say, this is going to be my best place. This is going to be my best season yet so far, and that they take that by faith in your grace. Lord, I thank you for new graces, new places, and new faces that are from you, pouring out upon them, pushing them, and helping them to make progress into the destiny that you have called them to in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you all right now, do you have your heart right with Jesus? Do you know for sure when you leave this earth that you would go to be with him? The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. God has a plan for you to be with him eternity, in eternity in a beautiful place called heaven. He wants us all to miss hell and go to heaven. And that is his plan for every one of us. And I want to ask you, if you've never made that decision to ask Jesus into your heart, or maybe you've made that choice years ago, but you haven't been living your life for him. If that's you, today is your day for salvation. I want to encourage you with every head bowed, with eyes closed, just slip up your hand before the Lord and say, "That's Lord, that's me. I want to get my life right with you. Thank you for those hands. Anyone else? God is looking at you with love. He's not looking at the mistakes you've made, the failures. He's looking at you with love, saying, I want to help you. Let's all put our hand on our heart and let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive your love. I receive your life more abundantly. Help me to see your goodness. All the ways that you pour out on me. Your grace. And help me to be quick to thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give all of them a hand. Raise your hands.